0: All right, David, we're back here with you. What are we talking about? Satanic ritual abuse. I have Kay with me, she's a survivor. Um, Kay, um, you go into churches, you train pastors what to look for, how to talk uh, to uh, people that are victims. Um, When you go into a church and you're talking to a congregation, are you seeing any SRA victims out in that congregation?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, it, it is so much more prevalent than people realize. It would be shocking to you if you really knew um, how high a percentage it is. It's very wow. high.
0: What population. percentage would you say? I know we're just throwing stuff against the wall here, but you walk into well, a church at any given time. What percentage of people do you think have been SRA victims, come in contact with it?
1: Well, let me qualify that just a little bit. Let me just say think about how many Masonic lodges there are all over the country. Think about false religion. think about um, um, how prevalent those things are, and that that these organizations have access to children and part of the 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 role of the programming is actually to hide the abuse it's it they do try to attempt to keep people functional so to hide the abuse so people go into churches looking to get you know to be well to have family to do the right thing um but so many people in churches have been abused from childhood whether and you know there's a number of different factions that do satanic ritual abuse, but many people in churches have done it so i will I'll just share a couple of statistics for you. I went into a church uh in Chicago where they had a deaf church and they had fifty fifty members of the deaf deaf church of that church and I met with people uh and ministered to them twenty five of the fifty were SRA survivors. Uh, Some of them were all in the same family and every member in the family was SRA.
0: Wow. How do pastors receive you for the most part when you- (laughs) (laughs) You
1: you... know, I think they're uncomfortable with me um, because I'm bringing information that they may not want to hear.
0: Right. And,
1: and then they get worried about, well, how am I going to explain that to my congregation? And how am I going to, you know, what am I going to do once I know and understand this, then I'm accountable to do something about it. And so a lot of times pastors would prefer, (laughs) prefer not to, not to even tread on those waters. So. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's, there's two reasons. One is they have members in the congregation they know are going to feel uneasy. And, and p- pastors who are weak, okay, who, who put what the congregation thinks over what the truth is, they'll, they'll succumb to that. They'll give in to that because, oh, I've got a donor over here, you know, writes that big fat check, or I got Molly over here, it's just going to cause me grief. So I don't really want to bring this up. That's wrong, preacher. That's dead wrong. You never ever want to do that. That's number one. Okay. Hey, number two, they could be a victim themselves or I'd say this, they could be a perpetrator.
1: Yes. Have,
0: <laughs> have, have you ever encountered that where you've gone into a pulpit, gone into, and you've picked up that this person uh, in the church, maybe it's an elder, maybe it's someone who's in leadership. You ever picked up where they may be involved in it?
1: Yes, absolutely. Wow. As a matter of fact, I was in Missouri not too long ago, and I could feel the demonic from across the street on a little church in a little tiny town. And so I actually intentionally went into the church on a Sunday morning to spy it out and to, to pray. I felt like children were being ritually abused in in the church. And what was shocking to me is the pastor mentioned the word ritual 10 times in the first 15 minutes of her sermon. So wow. I felt like she was actually attempting to program her congregation.
0: It, it was a she, a female mm-hmm. pastor? And, and you're saying she was a perpetrator. She was, she was in the pulpit with the intention of programming people sitting there listening to her.
1: Yes, I, I, that is what I believe.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you realize what you're saying is that there could be churches out there that are actually covens, that, yes. that the church is a camouflage for covens and they're there for the purpose of satanic worship and satanic ritual abuse?
1: Yes, absolutely. That is
0: true. Uh-huh. Kate, uh, my last question for you. You've been through so much Tell me about your family. Where is your husband and all this? You have children. What mm-hmm. are they? Tell me, are they uh, open to this? Or what do they say about this?
1: I discovered the ritual abuse when I was seven months pregnant with my daughter. And um, my, my husband and I... Um, so she was she was born my husband married me did not know about the sra i didn't know about the sra when we got married and um about 18 we knew something was wrong but we didn't know what and um, by the time we had our second child i was actually carrying our second child when the ritual abuse memories started to come up for me So it wasn't long after that, that I started to recover memories of babies that I had had. And my husband at that point was like, I can't, I can't go there with you. I don't believe it. And so he really turned his back on me on that, um, but I needed help. So I continued getting counseling and, and, um, worked with therapists actually for 19 years. And during those years, he'd be like, I don't want to hear it. Don't talk to me about it, so, which was very, very painful for me. Um, I stayed in the marriage for the children um, because I felt like it was the right thing to do for our children. When my husband and I separated, uh, we separated about 14 years ago. Um, and at that time, he came to me with a binder from a Christian university on false memory syndrome, and he said, "Here, you know, maybe we could reconcile if you would just admit that these are all false memories."
0: Oh, and
1: no. I was like, right, it, "No, and I it was don't a think Christ- I've ever been so mad in my life." <laughs> and, and it
0: was a Christian university. He got a the-
1: Christian university. Oh yes.
0: my goodness! Okay, mm-hmm. and your children are they still with you? you have a relationship
1: with them? I have have two adult children now. They're in their 30s. My daughter, a couple of years ago, decided that she didn't, um, she didn't want me in her life. She didn't want her, her, my grandchildren to be with me. And uh, she cut off relationship. And my husband at that point decided to divorce me. So I still have, I still have a relationship with my son, but it's very guarded. He doesn't, okay. doesn't like me, won't talk about his material. So. Yeah.
0: So you were a victim for so many years. God delivered you. Not only delivered you, but God gave you the mission, the word to go forth and help other people, okay? And here you are trying to get help other people get out of this darkness and you lose your family. You know, your husband turns, your daughter turns. Kate, the Bible talks about this, that in these last days, that father would turn against son, you know, mother against daughter, you're experiencing this, but you're doing it for for God and you're experiencing this persecution that they talk about in scripture.
1: Mm-hmm, it's very painful.
0: Yeah, so you, um, do you, what, what was that, my last question, I promise, what was that pivotal moment where God spoke to you and said, "Okay, you're my child, I love you. Now I want to reveal to you, I'm going to open that door and let you walk through it of what you've been through, re- unveil the truth. Do you remember, was, that, was there a pivotal moment there?
1: Well, I'll tell you, the first uh, ritual abuse memory was so horrific. I was screaming in the therapist's office. I um, I was eight months pregnant and hysterical, and the tro- the memory was so horrific. Um, I went home and I locked myself in the bathroom, and I real I thought I was going to die. I thought I would die. I thought my baby would die. And that God touched me in that moment. That was one of the, a miracle moment. And I heard him say to me, all you have to do is turn and give it all to me, give it to me. Wow. And in that moment, he lifted that trauma memory and he lifted the pain. And I remember getting up and getting in the shower and I realized if God could take that, if God could heal that, I could walk through whatever I needed to walk through with him. And God faithfully, memory by memory, and there were well over 150 of them, walked me through each and every one of them.
0: Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. But you had to do one thing. You had to give it all to God. Um, You weren't in a place, Kay, that you could play lukewarm Christian. You weren't at a place where you (laughs) could sit on the fence and play games with God, which is what most of the church is doing. You were at a place, it was do or die. You weren't yes. going to make it. You were either going to go all for God or you were going to fall so far in this darkness, you may have never come back again.
1: That's exactly right.
0: You know, as we close with this, what would you tell people out there that think that they're a victim, may have been victimized or a perpetrator? Let's start with the victims first. What, what do you tell them?
1: Well, I just wanna say that there really is healing. There really is hope in the darkness. It is a long journey, but God is faithful and he can and will restore and heal you. If you let him, if you'll surrender, if you'll yield, and I mean completely yield to him, he can do miracles.
0: And then how about the perpetrator? Cause you know, perpetrators, they a lot of times were victims and they're acting exactly. out. What would, you, what would you say to them if someone's out well, there listening right now?
1: You know, technically I'm a perpetrator. I mean, I, I was part of ritual murders. I was part of sexually abusing other children as part of the rituals as a child. Yeah. And when I remembered those things, I wanted to die. I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm finding out I did these horrible things. I just wanted to die. And so God was like, you know, this is a place of more deep surrender to me and trusting that I really can heal you and forgive you and bring you through this. And so I'd say to perpetrators, if you will trust God and get with right people that understand that this is part of ritual abuse is the, the perpetration that you can heal. God will forgive you. And by healing, you can stop doing those things that uh, hurt you and others.
0: Oh, amen. There's a practice, an ancient practice, where one's spirit leaves their body. It's called astral projection. Okay, so dreams. That Could this be a form pharmac- of astral projection? I can tell you that yeah. practitioners on the other side Yeah an ex-Satanist will tell you what i'm going to say okay we target your dreams a woman woke up she felt the presence of something in the doorway that was trying to pull her out of her flesh and what she did was call out to the name of jesus and bang that attack stopped she went back into her body she woke up the the new agers call it the the astral plane
1: sort of like a parallel dimension a lot of times people experience things like uh, sleep paralysis it's real, but lethal. Real, but counterfeit. Real, but, but uh,
0: completely in error. There's a risk of insanity. God is totally against it. If the church was doing its job, would New Age and astral projection be so prevalent amongst Christians? The time has come for God's people to take a stand legalize Jesus. Text 71777, the word chosen, to 71777, or go to davidhebner.tv forward slash
1: chosen. Join the movement.